Hey, greetings, everybody. This is Wesley Pepper. This is the Art and Mixer podcast. This is actually episode 104. Um, it sounds like a thousand years ago since I started it. And whenever I, whenever I look at the amount of episodes, like, oh my God, really? Um, yeah, man, as you can see, Cesar is still not with us today, but I know she's around. She will definitely be with us um, in the next episode, that's for sure. And um, yeah, last, uh, last episode, we spoke to... Um, Kim Anderson, Kimberly Anderson, I really enjoyed that there. Um, there were some technical issues with the with the recording, but I'm sure you guys, I'm, yeah, I'm sure Julie should have worked that out. But um, yeah, that was that was very good. My sister, thanks for coming through. That was a lot of fun. Remember to always, I keep, yeah, uh, I gotta prompt you, like, subscribe, comment to the channel. It's on YouTube. Our primary channel is on YouTube, but. Um, yeah, we're all over. I haven't been uploading any of the MP3s um, yet. Um, that's a technical thing because if you guys are from South Africa, you know that the load shedding schedule has really crippled everything and my rhythm is not there. Um, I have been starting to work a bit um, on, on new artwork, but it's only recently, as in like last week recently. Um, it took me a while to get my rhythm back. Um, but yeah, man, it is what it is. We're trying to make the best of the situation. And um, yeah, um, oh yeah, I remember also, but I'll be telling you guys with this via social media and stuff like the project with um, Asal Kivalan from Austin and um, Poetry Tuesday, especially like that. Those are two really cool uh, separate series that we're working on. So yeah, as much as things are starting a bit stuck start now, you know, we're definitely going to be picking up as the year goes because I'm getting a generator also pretty soon. Um, and once that is done, then but ESCOM, then, then finally I'm kind of, kind of, kind of off the grid. Not really, but anyway. Um, so yeah, we're just dealing with all of those things right now. And um, yeah, just last point before I bring in my guests. Um, I, like I said, I have been working on new art, so that's fantastic. Um, so look forward to that. I'll definitely be sharing that because Yebo, the gallery, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. We've got some pretty cool stuff lined up for 2023. And I'll definitely be telling you guys about that in the coming week. So that's it regarding the monologue. So I've got a, I've, I've, I've a very cool guest today, uh, Eugene Ullman uh, from Joburg, right? Yeah. Um, well, from South Africa, we'll just, we'll just say South Africa. Um, he's a well-traveled fella and a photographer. Um, he follows his photography a lot on um, Facebook. Really, really cool stuff. And um, over the past few months, I know he's been in Egypt. He's been some really cool stuff there. Some really... I'm going to be talking about a little about his processes, um, a little photography of some of his travels and projects and so forth. And um, yes, my brother, it's, um, what's the time now? It's just half past 10 on a, what's today, Tuesday. Um, how are you doing? Wesley, I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me. I'm uh, very happy to be back in Johannesburg. Really excited. Um, yeah, I've been away for a few months and uh, yes, I'm, yeah, you see, you're doing the vibe here is good. Yeah. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I, always, I always find it so interesting when, when guys have been outside of the country for long, always happy to be back, and us who've been here for so long, like, ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> um, yeah, South Africa... Well, yeah, sorry? I just know, it's just, I've been in Cairo for the last two months or so, and I think Cairo is the only place in the world that you can then come back to Joburg and go, wow, Joburg is so slow <laughs> and relaxed and chilled. <laughs> yeah that says a lot that says that's 
says quite a bit. That says quite a bit. So actually, let's um, let's um, let's um, let's jump into that, man. Um, like I said in the monologue, like I've been following a bit of your photography. Uh, we do a lot of stuff in color, and I've noticed you focus a lot on um, portraits and architecture. Um, yeah, let's start in the right in the beginning. Um, so yeah, are you a what's the word? Is your <laughs> you know as, as creators always weird like <laughs> to ask this but like are you a photographer which i know guys do everything these days but what is the primary like i don't even know what the word is uh, your main thing is yeah no I, I i i think i understand i think i get the question <laughs> um i look the thing is with photography it's one of those things that um you know i think these days you know almost anyone with a, with a mobile phone can be a yeah. photographer so I think it's more like you're a photographer if other people think you're a photographer. I think that's kind of the, the yeah, to me, that's sort of, you know, I never thought of myself as a photographer because I'm not, it's something that I've only really started thinking about recently. My, my, my working, my, my work background is filmmaking, documentary filmmaking. Yeah. So, so um, I always thought about images but for me for a long time i didn't think about still photography too much it was just something that i did you know like it like anyone else just to remember friends and places and memories and so on and then when i started uh this current film that i'm making in johannesburg this documentary and i started it before COVID, yeah. it got interrupted by COVID. um when i started making that film um before COVID, i was collaborating with quite a few photographers in Johannesburg, street photographers, going out on shoots with them. You know, the film that I'm making is about Johannesburg. So, so shooting with photographers was one way of getting to know the city better. Um, and in that process, I learned from them and started thinking more about still images, started thinking more about photography. I started doing more photography kind of as an exercise before I come and shoot video to sort of understand a place or a location better and you know after a little while I just people started liking the photos and started <laughs> I started getting good feedback you know and and a few photos even got published and I was invited to be part of an exhibition and that all happened very recently so so it's just made me um, think more about photography and enjoy it more and um, I was as I said I was just in Cairo for a couple of months and I wasn't um, I was researching for a film project, but I wasn't filming anything. So I, I just treated street photography almost like a daily practice and just went out every day and did it for a few hours. And I'm waiting to see if it's going to influence how I film it all. I'm, I'm not sure yet, but uh, we'll okay. know over the next couple of months. It sounds, it sounds really interesting, man. Um, and I want to bring a, I want to liken it to writing poetry. Uh, most writers regard um, poetry as the, uh, I guess, the bedrock of writing. So for you to become a very skilled writer, you need to be a, you know, you need to write good poetry. Um, do you think that's a, that that the same can be said as a filmmaker in order to, order, for example, to analyze or to do, um, you know, composition? Um, at least I'm thinking like a visual artist, yeah. Do you think um, street art or street photography or just photography sharpens the eye? It sharpens the skills? Is that is that accurate? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, I think, seriously, I, I, I think so. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people that, you, that I encounter who make films or make pictures, make images, um, they tend to think a lot about the equipment they use and the, the, the you know 
the technology of it all and so on. And not as many actually think about, you know, what their relationship is with what they're seeing and what they're trying to say about it and what their point of view is. So, and I think that's, that's, that's where we all need practice because we all need to think about like, why am I doing this? What, you know, I mean, 10 people can come and photograph the same building or the same street or the same person, and they'll all be telling a different story with the image. Um, and it's interesting to ask yourself why, and, and also just the difference between obviously the process of filmmaking, where it's all about how the images relate to each other. So the, each individual image doesn't necessarily have to, um, well, it, can, it has meaning obviously, but the real meaning is in how they, how they juxtaposed with each other. Whereas when you're taking a photo, then you're, you're really focused on like, what meaning does this image have? What am yeah. I saying with it? What does the person get from it? So you're thinking about different things. It's a different thought process, but they're both very important and they're both really interesting um to think about on your own you know when i go for walks on my own and also when i interact with other people it's always interesting to think about those things yeah that's 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 pretty interesting um you also mentioned about like the take taking walks it's funny um it's, it's it's interesting that across most of the creative um for example i know a lot of writers and music visual artists i do it too um i actually get quite inspired by just taking a walk around somewhere um texture light um, um, shape, sound, those things really, it's, it really moves. Yeah, it really shapes where, where one wants to look. I just I just find that interesting, um, the, the fact that it's such a universal yeah. thing. And nobody has actually thought that. It's like the artist just knows that in order to, 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 to you know, you should go out. Um, but let's just take it back. Like you're talking about your documentary, my brother. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, you say you're working on a current project that you guys worked on before of COVID. I think I read that on your page um, some time ago, actually. Um, yeah, tell us about the project, man. And um, I mean, if you were shooting it before COVID, that's like three years ago. So it's been it's been a while. So yeah, can you tell us a little it's, bit? It was it, it was a while. So so basically, um, I wanted to do. You know, I'm fascinated by cities. You know, and and I I look at cities as being these almost as personalities. You know, and and these kind of organisms that have. You know, in some senses, all cities are the same. You know, people always say our oh, big cities are always the same, but we know very well that they're not. Enough. And we all we all know very well that we, you know, we connect with certain cities more than with others, and so on. Yeah, man. Um, so I was always fascinated by that, and and the fact, you know, I've, I, I'm I grew up in Australia, but I've been living and working on this continent for two decades now, uh, in different places, and I always wanted. You know, I mean, I, I survived as a freelancer and did different types of work, but I, I always had this idea to make these epic films that would just investigate an African city and look at what what's happening in that city and how it operates and what makes it tick and so on. And of course, I, you know, I, I carried this idea for years and nobody ever wanted to fund it or give me money for it. Um, and then eventually when um, a bunch of things happened and I got, you know, very frustrated with the whole process of you know, pitching ideas to clients and not really having a, you know, a voice as a filmmaker, even though this is what I've been trying to, I like everyone, you know, like you, um, you know, so I compare it to like, if you work as a chef and you never actually, you never have the opportunity to, to, to make your own recipe, you're always making somebody else's yeah. recipe. Yeah. You don't know if yours is any good or not, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I started 
started making this film independently um, in Johannesburg, about Johannesburg. Uh, and it was my way of getting to know the city. And I started it before COVID. Um, initially, it was just me on my own, you know, catching taxis, going to different parts of the city and so on. And I kind of figured, I mean, I, you know, to make a long story short, people did become interested in the project. And, and now I have, you know, a team of people working with me and, and so on. And it's it's grown a lot, and and you know people in Joburg, kind of a lot of people know the project, and they see us around town. And it was interrupted by COVID, of course. So what happened just before COVID started? I went to Australia. It was supposed to be a visit. I wasn't planning to stay there very long. And then of course the border closed, and everything yeah. closed, and I was there for two, for two years. I wasn't. The project was on ice. Um, but I continued. You know, I mean, in a way, it was a huge luxury because how often. When you do a creative project, you get to like have a break and think about it for two years, right? And watch every frame that you filmed and yeah. have deep discussions online with collaborators and and, and, yeah. and you know go deeper with it and and then come back after two years with like a whole new thinking, a whole new energy, and a whole new sort of approach and all the stuff that we've all learned over that time and you know hopefully grown as human beings and so on. So. Um, yeah, so after so after COVID, um, so 2022, I came back to continue the project and um, then had a bit of a break from it um, to, you know, basically come back now. Now I'm in the final phase. So what I'm doing now, I've just come back to Joburg. We're doing the final phase of filming. And after that, hopefully, you know, it'll be ready to edit and release. But the film is about Johannesburg. Yeah, it's I was going to ask. Sort of the epic the, story of the city. What's the fun of it's 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 my take on the city. It's it's um, so my plan is to make other films about other African cities that you know that I've lived in and worked in and so on. And I guess each one I have to think about. You know, what is my take on this place? What is my relationship with this place? And so at the same time, the film obviously is not about me. It's about the city but um but the process of making it is about how i interact with obviously with all the people that i meet and, and the places and and how i what i think the place of this city is now globally which i think is really major i think johannesburg is going through a golden age right now creatively and people don't really know about it you know that's um, actually that's actually quite interesting um when you mm -hmm. say um what i'd like to what i'd like to sort of pose you on um, saying that um sort of making a city about <laughs> making a film about city you stayed in across the um Joburg is a very unique place we all know that it has um the cbd is quite a vibrant uh it's quite a busy place and i guess it's got its own texture its own sound it's very very unique um and it's also a pretty <laughs> i've got robbed uh, well over seven times maybe even closer to eight um, over there, but ironic. The irony behind that is, I still never felt, um, I, you know, besides being, being, being a victim of crime, I've, I've still never felt uh, scared of it. Um, 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 in fact, in fact, quite quite the opposite. I sort of, it's weird. Um, I sort of embraced it. Not the crime, <laughs> but the, but the, but but the vibe, the, the, the vibe, the energy, um, and then and the color. And the color as well. So I guess from a technical, what are the what are the um, what are the elements about the other city that really really stood out? Stood out 
Is it, uh, is it the architecture? Is it the people? Is it the color? Is it uh, the layout of the... And, 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 and are you talking about Janice? Are you talking specifically the CBD? Or are you talking um, how... No, no, no. I'm talking, I mean, look... I, I, yeah, I, I, see, I see like like Johannes, like Greater Johannesburg. I see the whole of Gauteng pretty much as being one big city. Yeah. In the way that if you talk about New York, you're also talk you're basically talking yeah. about the tri-state area, including you know New Jersey and all of these things, right? I mean, you can't. I mean, Pretoria is is essentially a suburb of Joburg now. Mm. You know, like for all intents and purposes. I mean, you can enjoy this whole big agglomeration. You can enjoy the whole thing as one big city, essentially. Yeah. You can use it in that way. Uh, and of course, different parts of it have different histories and different identities. But, but you know, I mean, I think what you're, the thing is the, the history, the, the environment, the, um, the mix of communities, all of these things. I mean, the story of a city is the interrelationship between all of those, sure. you know. So, um, so Johannesburg has a different, very different, I mean, you know, you can go to Cape Town and see very similar sort of architecture, but we know very well that the the vibe of the city is very different. And how do you have a conversation, like how do you zero in on what, what the essence of that is? You know, that becomes the story, you know, like what what is it about that? And Johannesburg, I mean, Johannesburg is sort of fascinating in that sense because it is a new city, um, you know, like I can compare it just having been to Cairo, which is, you know, literally the oldest metropolis on the planet, you know, that's still functioning. Um, so it's obviously going to have a very different feel about it, just apart from anything else, right? Just just even that aspect of it, that, um, that uh, Johannesburg is very much a city of migrants and it is very much a city where... Um, you can fit in very easily without changing who you are yeah. because everybody is coming from a different place and nobody expects you. It's like, nobody says, no, in order to fit in, you have to be like us because yeah. what, who is us? Yeah. Who is us in Johannesburg, right? Yeah. Which of the, which of the numerous cultures is, is it? And that's the beautiful thing about Joburg is it, it actually gives people this incredible freedom to, to transcend their, you know, whatever they're, I mean, obviously people come with their own traumas and their own experiences and their own prejudices and whatever they come with. But Joburg does give you an opportunity if you want that opportunity to kind of overcome those things and, and kind of, you know, and, and kind of create your own tribe almost in a sense, which I think what everyone here is doing to some absolutely, degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of just want to add on that just to just to reiterate what you were saying. Absolutely. Like um, as a, as an artist, I struggled with, um, um, when I decided to do the loving and so on and so on. I went to work all over the country. I didn't fit in anywhere. Uh, um, Johannesburg was the only place that didn't ask me where I'm from. It didn't question my accent. It didn't anything. They just looked at my um, and I'm and I say they, you know, the people that live because back then Newtown was still popping. Um, um, I just went there with my bag of art and people just liked my art and then from there it grew like and um, they just accepted me and um, that thing still resonates with me today. <laughs> and um, you know they say you you never know what what you got when it's gone or some shit like that. But like when, when I know how strong it was when I left Johannesburg, I'm like oh shit, but like. It's it was it was really 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 that strong, and also the entrepreneur vibe there. I was, um, if you look at South Africa, it's um, a lot of a lot of artists are pretty are pretty entrepreneurial, um, and it's also a um, 
capitalism is not uh, yeah it's frowned on but like it's also in price how it's what that's just an interesting uh, narrative about the city um you were saying there about um i like what you're saying you're saying that um, how thing can be seen as like basically one huge like victoria can be a suburb of joe but i'm sure there's probably one of the people from victoria that agree um but but like but like i get it like if you look at centurion madran it's yeah i don't it's it's over you know you know it's just it's just absolutely yeah man and, and so, the thing is you know so just you mentioned because you mentioned getting robbed seven times <laughs> i mean I've, i've been i mean i've been in and out of the city now since 2006 and i've been robbed once um you know i've also been robbed in london i've been robbed in a bunch of other places i think that um <sighs> You know, I, I don't. I don't think that the. You know, people always want to talk about crime in Johannesburg, and and it's we we can't ignore it. It's the you know, look, you can't just say, oh no, it's a myth and everything's fine. I mean, obviously, it's a high crime city, um, but I think that the fact that it's the first thing that everybody mentions, whereas yep. there's other cities that have a much higher crime rate, like Mexico City or Rio de Janeiro, and people focus on. If you say I'm going on holidays to Brazil, the first thing people are going to talk about. is oh wow you know the food yeah. the music the culture yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean it's it's not the, whereas johannesburg is like oh my god the crime yeah. and the thing is that 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 i people don't realize that since the end of apartheid it's this is statistics it's not i'm i'm not didn't make this up since the end of apartheid since 1994 the murder rate in hauteng province has decreased by more than 50% and these are statistics that you can look up so so the thing is that That, yes of course it sucks to get robbed right i mean it's terrible and it's traumatic and so on and none of us like it and we all wish that we could have a city where we could freely walk 24/7 in the streets you know but the fact of the matter is that we we are we are living through a period of history and we have to accept that there's a history that has created these things and rather than complain about them and run away from them for me it's more interesting to to see like how can we as this random mix of people that's ended up in the city how can we work towards making it something that that's works a, for everyone who lives here let me, let me let me because um, it wasn't designed sorry go on uh okay we can we can we talk about the design element which is something i actually want to one 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 get into especially the rather the skin gentrified as well um yeah You saying um I'm I'm actually aware of the fact that there's other cities across the world which crime the crime is much much higher you say like in Mexico city do you think there's a racial element do you think there's a racial element in that that like um you know Johannesburg being a black city that like you know too many loud crazy blacks and they'll just rob you and shit like that what's your what's your No I mean uh, Look I mean the the racial element in, in as much as everything in south africa is heavily racialized because people have been conditioned to look at this one organ of our body the skin as being of primary importance for some bizarre reason right as opposed to like any other organ like your kidney or your liver or whatever for some reason right like and and, and this, again this is this is like historical like it's not everywhere you go to mozambique and they don't have that obsession with skin color like 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 people do in south africa um it's very different i mean in south africa race still in people's minds defines your identity people will still kind of say 
you know, that an Indian guy came into the room. And the fact that that person is of Indian background has no relevance to the story, <laughs> right? It's not important. <laughs> but people will still say that. Yeah, 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 you're right. People you're will right. still say that because it it, it 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 takes a long time to undo that shit, right? Mm. I mean, it takes a long time to kind of think like, okay, I can't draw any conclusions about you based on just seeing the color of your skin. You could be anything at all. And just by looking at you, I can't make any uh, assessment of what you are. But but that takes a long time to undo that because that was done that was done deliberately and it was introduced deliberately and people were taught to do this in a very scientific and sort of toxic manner. So yes, of course. I mean, there's the correlation in in in, in Johannesburg and South Africa between wealth and race. Like yes, it exists due to historical. We all know this. Yes, it's changing. It's not changing fast enough. Yes, it's changing. Um, but I mean, I, again, I mean, I don't think like, I don't know. I mean, I think that, 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 that obviously ultimately people's even, you know, even poverty doesn't necessarily equate with, with crime. I mean, it sometimes does, but not necessarily. I mean, you can be in, very poor communities and and they're not it's not dangerous at all people mistake you know i mean in fact it's the opposite in fact people have um sometimes you know people are watching what's going on in their community and they want their community to be safe and they want visitors to come there and they don't want people to feel scared so there's this kind of like thing where everybody's watching what um i mean joburg cbd yes joburg cbd has been dangerous i guess because no one it's becoming less dangerous now because it's becoming more residential so people think of it as home the minute people live there and think of it as home all of a sudden large chunks of Joburg CBD are now like much safer than they were. And you can walk around even at night and so on in places like Marshalltown and, and, and et cetera. And it's because once people move in and live there, they, 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 they feel that this is now their home and they have a, a stake in this place. That's a, that's and they're a, not treating it. That's a, that's a, and they're not treating point. Yeah. Once, um, once, yeah. once, once people feel they have, uh, they have a stake in something, then they, look after it more, they'll clean, they'll make sure the street is clean, they'll make sure that there's nobody on the corner. So I agree with you there. Totally. And I think Johannesburg does have this history of people not thinking of it as their home, people just thinking of it as this place that you come and rape and yeah, take and get out. whatever you can and then get the fuck out as quickly yeah. as possible yeah. and go somewhere else. And now you're seeing people, that mentality is changing and you're seeing people who do think of this place and, and the neighborhoods as their home and even moving here from other places and making it their home, whether it's from Cape Town or other countries or other parts of the, you know, KwaZulu-Natal or whatever. Um, and so now they have, now they're building a community. Now they're not thinking like, okay, as soon as I have enough money, I'm out of here. And then that changes, that changes everything, you know? And, and this is what we're seeing happening right now. And because it's, because it's a work in progress, we're not seeing the fruits of it yet. So people often, just kind of look at things and go, oh, it's all getting worse. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we're just kind of, we're living through that process of this change. So it's That's not going to be, things aren't going to be clean and neat and tidy and, you know, all neatly packaged for the consumer, you know, 
um, they're messy and people are working it out. And that's, that's the, that's the, in a sense, that's the fun part of it. Fun part of it. That's also a nice way of saying <laughs> Also rephrasing it, uh, um, sure. because a, because you raise some some very interesting points here, man. Like the first thing, just before we're talking about the crime element, you made mention of the the fact that the design of the city, uh, the loudest city, and, and changing, and that and and, and that it is. Maboneng um, is a good example. Um, <clears throat> in the early 2000s, Newtown was was sort of the the flagpole, the type word, yeah, to say like, or when when gentrifying started, <clears throat> and Newtown and Kelly up. Jeez, 10 years. It was just about 10 years. And after they built that wall, you know, it sucked the life out of, and then everything more went more towards the east, you know, Maboneng, um, um, and that old marshal from, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, the designing of, 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 or rather, what I want to, what I want to want to get is, is your experience on, um, there is a, it, it is becoming a lot more residential for sure, lots more lofts, and there's a lot of high-end people staying there as well. Um, I mean, and they're also redoing, for example, like the downtown um, music studios, they redid that whole section there. Um, um, so they're sort of kind of keeping some of the history, you know, um, 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 and um, I'm actually quite critical of gentrification. Um, I, did a, I did a solo exhibition 2018, where I focused just on Maboneng, and that time it was still busy growing. Um, and um, I'm I'm actually quite critical of it, and it'll be it'll be interesting to, to get your views since you are much more well traveled and seen it in other parts of the world. How that what makes gentrification Janice look different? Because just um, let me just give you my um, my views. Um, 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 I'm actually. The Newtown, I'm going to call it the Newtown experiment because it didn't last long. I thought, because when I just landed in the early 2000s, you know, every creative who's probably a move and shaker today operated out of there in the, in the, in, in the early 2000s, some capacity. And, and fun enough, there was a type of a sense of a community. You know, you could, you could walk from, uh, from, um, from Kippies to Artist Proof. I was at Artist Proof videos. And you could walk around. You get everybody: actors, musicians, uh, 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 every everybody. And 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 that sense of community made us feel us as, as a creative community. It made us feel safe. Uh, 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 there was there was this thing at the at the back of the market theater. We used to go there and go and go and go smoke. Um, basically the whole day but I would, you know and there'll always be a very the, the, the vibe with the, 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 the energy was always there because there'll be like actors and musicians and so forth and, and it was just and um my my understanding is is that um i don't know if they really want to purposely shut that down but that but that did eventually get closed when they started building that damn mall um and it sucked the life out of it and um if you go to the market theater, now I mean back then they had that uh, that market outside the market theater, which was vibrant and 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 and, and, and all this. Now, if you look at if you um, if you look at Maboneng, um, it's way more sanitized. Um, it's also very Western. I don't really get a strong sense of something which which is unique to Joburg. For example, like with the old horror cafe, there was man, there was actually a, a sound coming. A lot of the bands and the jam, they had a specific sound, bro. I don't get that with Maboneng. Um, um, I don't. In fact, when were you I last get... in Maboneng? How long ago? Uh, 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 COVID. COVID. Um, um, I was staying just around the corner from Maboneng up until um, COVID hit. 
um, when COVID hit, um, I mean, I'm an artist. My my uh, my bottom line got even serious where I just couldn't afford it anymore. Um, so 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 yeah, I was I was in Melbourne for about three years. Um, yeah, give and take. And um, like I like I said, man, I never really got. Yeah, there was a, there was a few there was a few places there which just really had like I would say and and sort of an African identity, especially especially in their name, but. But um, but Newtown had um, the what they what they managed to to do there was, I guess it was just more, um, you know, because because even as you look at uh, like 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 at the poetry, because I was publishing books at the time, um, I was a publisher and and I, I because I go back now with COVID, I went back and I had a look at all the stuff that we did past then. It was a lot more happier, people were a lot more positive. I mean, sure, that's a lot to do with the with the social medical um, situation as well. But I just I I, I I just think it got it got worse. Um, um, so it'll be cool to hear your views on on, on all of that. No, look, I mean, the thing is, I have I have a problem with gentrification as well. But I think that um, the gentrification that happens in a lot of other cities is that um, you have areas that have that were considered undesirable for example um in sydney where i grew up uh for a long time it was considered undesirable to live in old houses it was considered why would you want to live in an old house and then fashions changed and all the old buildings from like the 19th century were all renovated and became super expensive and and the people who were living in them were basically pushed out of the neighborhood because they couldn't afford it anymore um so that kind of gentrification so an area that had been a very working class area um suddenly has become middle class and the people who are who've been living there now have to live somewhere like on the edge of town like somewhere far away and they can't they can no longer enjoy you know the the lifestyle that they had being connected to everything the community that they built that's all kind of destroyed um the thing that's happening in Johannesburg has been largely in the CBD, um, where the buildings were not residential to begin with. So there was obviously a problem with the fact that when when um, the businesses from Johannesburg from Joburg CBD kind of ran away, um, the buildings became residential, but they became residential uh, essentially in a way that is not, um, how can I say, most people living there were undocumented immigrants and there was a lot of um, corruption surrounding that. And I remember my first experience of coming to Johannesburg 2006 and you'd see like an office building in town, but there's laundry hanging out of it. Yeah. And, you know, there's clearly people living yeah. there, but they don't have running water or electricity yeah, or anything like that. So I think it's it's unrealistic to expect the city center of a city to continue like that forever right i mean i think it's unrealistic to expect that so, so the question is the question is how are you going to develop these buildings um first of all there has to be a system and this is an ongoing fight as i understand it between the constitutional court and the various um uh city city councils of johannesburg where where initially there was a very sort of brutal eviction process yeah that was taking place um and the constitutional court is constantly trying to stop that 
by because it's unconstitutional, right? You're not allowed to just kick people out of yeah. their houses and leave them homeless. Mm -hmm. So obviously any kind of urban renewal project has to come with a social housing project that the two have to be combined, right? One with the other. Um, and, you know, and, and one thing about Johannesburg that, that I think we have to appreciate is that, um, is that the city center is not being redeveloped for wealthy people. It's being mm -hmm. redeveloped for people of, you know, essentially like who don't have a lot of income and to some extent the things that you might the things that you don't like aesthetically like for example building a mall in newtown those are things that working people need like they need a supermarket they need a mr price they need ah, a pharmacy i see they need those saying. things there right yeah so what's so so the question is those things are going to happen right the mall is going to come because those very people need those amenities the question is, how can we think about that process? And I've been talking to architects about this as well as part of the, the film. And a very interesting point that's come out is that, um, is that no one's really ever thought about, so this commu these communities that live in the inner city of Johannesburg, they're living in these buildings and they're living with those shops because that's, that's how that place has been designed since apartheid days. Yep. No one's really sat down and thought, how do we create spaces for that work for these people? And that's actually changing in Joburg because now you have, for example, Jewel City, which is next to Maboneng. Mm. And it's um, mostly, it's like, uh, it, it's essentially low-income housing. Mm. Um, the entire place is pedestrianized, so you can have people chilling in, outside without having to spend money. They can just sit with their friends you can have skaters and photographers and all sorts of things. And it's a functional neighborhood for people who don't have a high income in the center of the city. And those sorts of things, I think, are examples of Joburg getting it right. Um, Interesting. In terms of how, you know, and, and I think your point about, you know, I remember Newtown very well. When I first came to Joburg, Newtown was the place to be, you know, Horror Cafe, Shivava all those venues, um, Sophia Town and so on, the bookshop. Mm. But what I found in Johannesburg is that this is a very, um, it's a city of transients. It's a city where people move in and out, they move around a lot. So what happens is like, if a place closes down, it's not necessarily sad because those same people have just moved to another part of the city and that vibe has moved somewhere else. So in Joburg, it's not a, it's not a city where like a live music venue can survive for a hundred years you sort of have to follow the vibe around from place to place right and and then when you when, when you get into that mindset when you realize that when you kind of get that dynamic then it's not like something's closed and you're like oh well we're just gonna have to live without it it's like no okay that place is closed but now it's all happening over there mm -hmm. so you know, Newtown, then everything, you know, things moved to Bramfontein and Maboneng. Now all the art galleries are in Rosebank. Santon is becoming sort of urbanized. It's no longer what it was because the new sort of CBD in Joburg is Rosebank, right? Everybody wants to be in Rosebank. So Santon is becoming sort of strangely like, like it's becoming more urban. It's becoming more in a city, more residential in pockets. 
and Santon is changing as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's that, to me, that's something that's part of the DNA of Johannesburg. It's part of the, the nature of the city mm-hmm. that you can go away for three months and you come back and everything, every, mm-hmm. everybody's, everything's changed yeah. like, very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, you kind of go, okay, true. that thing used to be there now and now we go yeah, there. Somehow. Okay, fine. You just yeah. got to get your bearings and, you know, and next year it's going to be something else again. Interesting, interesting. I never so looked that, that like that. That's how I see it. Interesting, yeah. interesting in that, that, that that's super interesting. Um, and I agree with the fact, now that you, <laughs> now you explain the thing behind the mall, it kind of makes sense because there's a block of, there's block of mats all over, um, really. And I remember in the early 2000s when I was staying in Bram, yeah, food places was, a proper food place was, you had to go far for that. And it was always crowded yeah. and the quality of the food wasn't always that great either. Um, interesting. Um, one thing I've, um, um, one of the, um, <laughs> one of the things about, um, about, about gentrification that never, that never really sat with me is how they, uh, how they take, um, how they use street art and, and visual art or artists in general, sort of to make a place trendy. And as soon as it becomes, um, because if you remember what Mabunenga, this was arts on main, it was very niche, it was very, you know, David Kirk was there, it was, there was a few other very flashy, fancy, fancy galleries there, uh, that, that are very unique. And as soon as I would blow out, <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, I guess the attention, uh, a lot of artists, like you said, the galleries all moved to Rosebank Center, um, um, move, move. Um, so when I did that, when I did that exhibition, I was, um, I was, um, I was coming in from, I was coming in from that, um, from that angle. And, um, I've also noticed with Mabonengi that they, um, they're also trying to craft his own identity through like the street culture, for example, like African icons carried in there in the one corner. Um, so yeah, um, 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 um and I also get what you're saying with the that I can walk in and out. Um, yeah. It makes it makes sense. So, um, if I must, if I must bring that back to your documentary, are you talking about those about 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 all these elements? Are you um, following? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, these what, are the things I'm. Tra- yeah, what? How or rather, how are you? I'm following it. Look, I mean, hopefully, towards the end of the year, you'll be able to see it. So. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> but I, I, definitely, I mean, this is what I, I've been trying to sort of unravel how the city works and talk to different people about, you know, this whole process of of people in Johannesburg um, actually figuring out how to love and enjoy their city for the first time. Because you always have to come back to this thing is that, is that Johannesburg was not built and designed as a city that's meant to work for all the people that live in it. 100%. Right. It was quite a brutal, toxic place, right? 100%. And nobody, and I, and, and nobody loved the city, including the people that built it. They just built it because they needed to establish their own power over this, this gold that they found, right? They didn't have any love for the place. Mm. Um, and so actually seeing people now who uh, love this city, you know, it's actually a very historic moment that we're, 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 we're living through. And that's super interesting. Uh, I mean, inge- like that. That's very, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. And so you have people in Johannesburg 
just in the last few years, it's a very new thing. People who have just kind of treated it as like, okay, this is where I live and I shop at the mall and this is my life. Now they're like, wait a second, there's all this other stuff that's happening that I could actually be enjoying. Let me go and discover it. And and that's that's a very fascinating process that we're seeing right now. Um, and I think that um, that uh, there is this idea, and of course there's a lot of obstacles because ultimately, you know, um, well, you know, capitalism and so on. Um, but... Uh, so there's obstacles, but at the same time, it's very interesting to see how people are focusing on, um, you know, developing a sense of community and, and actually kind of like appreciating what's what's unique about the city. Um, and that's why I say that it's it's it, it is going through a very historic period right now that 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 we it, it's a bit hard to define it because we're in the middle of it. But it's really exciting to see it unfold and and um, capture capture that. Do you think um, what role do you think COVID nineteen has played in um, in the social um, side of or, or rather in developing of the city? Because I did a um, as soon as the hard lockdown hit, right? I got I got out, right? Um, um, there was no way I was going to stay, and my reason was small, it's cramped. Uh, <clears throat> my building was kind of loud. I couldn't you know quiet. That that wasn't an option, and. Um, the other, the other, the, the other main issue was I was I I just wasn't comfortable with um, everybody literally being locked up. I just thought something was going to happen. Um, um, and um, how how before it, you know you say you've been back to um, you know you were you were in Sydney um, during the hard lockdown. How do you do you think COVID has played any in, in people's movement, especially? Yeah, I think so. I think that. Um... I mean, of course, I wasn't here for that period, right? Um, yeah, yeah as but I mentioned, like, you know, but, but, but I've seen, I've seen, yeah, exactly. I, I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, um, we've become very much aware if, you know, hope, um, and, well, how can I say, I think a lot of people were already aware, but even more aware of the problem, the problem of like this huge inequality of, of the city and of oh, this yeah. country, because, because, because you know, as if it's all very well to tell everybody, okay, it's lockdown, but it's one thing to be in lockdown when you have a nice house in the suburbs where you can chill in your garden and sit in your swimming pool, and it's another thing to be in lockdown when you've got like a family of you know hundreds of people and everyone's like, you know what I mean, like good luck, you know, trying to get these people to, so uh, you know, and and just this idea of like, okay, um, what is the role? I mean, like like this is an emergency situation we don't know what this virus is going to be we have no idea remember at the beginning we had no idea what it was right i mean we just thought okay everybody might die like we, we we didn't know so so the idea of like the necessity of 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 the government being able to say to people um we're asking you to stay home but don't worry like we'll we'll you're going to get money we're going to pay for your food we're going to make sure that you don't die right that's that kind of the dysfunctionality of our system in not being able to deal with that kind of emergency. And when I say our system, I don't mean South Africa. I mean the world, right? I mean the whole, whole world of like, okay, we we weren't we weren't prepared for anything like this, you know. Um, so I think that it, it it highlighted the deep, deep, deep inequality of this country and of Johannesburg and 
and also highlighted the fact that this is a problem that, that we really need to address. Like, it's not something that's just going to get better with time, right? It doesn't work like that. I think that's one issue. Um, and the other thing that I can say is that coming back after COVID, or rather after the, you know, the, the lockdown period, not after COVID is still around, but, you know, after that whole thing, after the whole kind of period of intense lockdown and intense restrictions and so on, um, I'm just finding that people here are really aware of the fact that we've lost a lot of time and they are ready to go and they're ready to to hustle and they're ready to create and and I've, I've just found the 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 atmosphere in Johannesburg to be incredibly exciting since getting back and just people's energy and people's willingness to to make things happen you know is 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 palpable so that's that, that that's that's something that I'm very excited about are you are you covering that in the, the documentary as well yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I've been, I've, we, we have, you know, obviously footage from before COVID and after COVID and all the businesses that didn't survive and closed and entire streets that were like a row of, you know, empty shops and all this sort of stuff. So it hit hard. It hit hard. But I think that um, just the, 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 the energy of this place and the sort of the ambition that people have, you know, a, a, in a good way. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I can, I can, yeah. I can, I can second you on, on that. The, um, the, the energy mm. is, is, is definitely, is definitely something. Um, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I totally hear you with that. Was like after, um, and I can actually talk on the off, not the off, but like I'm talking from from this platform. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of artists during that uh, hard lockdown was sitting and conceptualizing. I was looking at where they were going to go and how some things opened up, people are moving. Um, there's a lot of a lot of writers that are doing published books, um, a lot of visual artists and solo shows, a, a lot of music and so forth and so forth. And um, I like uh, you know, it's it's interesting how, how you say that and you said it now a few times that we that we live in a in, in sort of like a golden age type of type of um with a um it's interesting. Um, um that's also that's also one of the one of the things of having like like some I'm I'm saying you from outside because you know you know looking in, in from outside from from the city how how they are there how they look at that um very very interesting um yeah just a few more things on the on the documentary what's the title what's the title um what's the for? so the title is uh, positive anomaly wow. which is a uh, um that's quite uh, a it's party. actually a, a... that's a very 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 cool name so p- positive anomaly is um. It's actually a term in geology, and it refers to um, like a very uh, unusual concentration of, of metals, of minerals. So, if, if oh, geologists oh. talk about a positive anomaly, so okay. um, but it's also, I mean, so it, it kind of comes from that, you know, like this Johannesburg being the the, the largest, you know, positive and but also just the fact that it to me the city is an anomaly in so many ways. I mean, the fact that the a city built on 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 heavy metals um and with its toxic history and everything the fact that it is what it is today is quite an anomaly to me so uh, the subtitle that's the title is positive anomaly and the subtitle is making history in johannesburg because i kind of feel that people people come to johannesburg with this ambition to make history and and yeah, to really make a difference everybody wants to go there to yeah everybody wants to go so so i get you so that's the full title is positive anomaly making history in johannesburg 
Um, yeah, man, just explain to my listeners. So, what happens? Like, you guys say you you close to the editing space or stage of the of the of the documentary. Um, what happens after that? And uh, I guess you know when will it be released and how? You know, just explain to us that process. Um, so if any of the listeners, uh, you know, want to check it out in a few months, how does that? Yeah. How is it? So and so forth. It's all very much still a work in progress. We're, um, as I said, we're working independently. I have a co- I have, uh, I'm working with two producers um, at the moment, and um, we did make the film. The idea of it was to produce it entirely independently to avoid sort of uh, making it something that ultimately is for a client, which is what tends to happen when you get when you get you know funding very early in the piece so already there's all these like limitations on the work before you've even started so we were quite sort of um we were quite sort of adamant that we would um figure out what this film was going to be first before we you know sought any kind of outside support for it um so uh we are at the moment you know um working on developing partnerships now that we've kind of developed the film to a certain point now we're developing partnerships with you know johannesburg you know um uh various partners in johannesburg i can say so um um, so by the time we get to the post-production process then the idea is that it will all happen much faster than the filming process um and uh we are aiming to release the film sort of like towards the end of the year. Um, obviously, you know, it's going to be a feature film, so it'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll be submitting it to film festivals and so on. Um, I think there will be films, there'll be screenings in various cities like Johannesburg and Cape Town, and hopefully other places there'll be actual sort of, you know, cinema screenings. And I think like everything else, it'll eventually end up in some form of, on some form of streaming platform platform because that's how people tend to watch you know things these days um i mean that's the thing like for me i'm 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 already developing i've started working on developing sort of other city films so the the films that will come next after this obviously film film generally takes time even without COVID. film is like a lengthy process to make a film um and so i'm trying to get the ball rolling on further projects now so that by the time this is out hopefully uh, they'll be um they'll be kind of a bit developed but um but definitely i mean people can follow we've got we uh we're posting on um on instagram there's a there's an account for the film positive anomaly film um i post updates on the project on my instagram all the time um um we yeah we have a we will be on all the platforms, but, you know, it's just, you know, gradually, the, you know, the closer it gets to release, the more stuff there will be out there that will people can follow and, and find out. But at the moment, if people want to see, um, uh, you know, kind of see what kind of content we're filming and what's what's going on, they can they can check out. Well, um, I can tell you one thing. On this platform. Um, what what the Art Lake still do is, um, I think I've checked out uh, your YouTube channel i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i did um i was just gonna have a look and i wrote it down um, i know we will we'll definitely do that then we'll find that because um i actually want to ask you this this is sort of in in closing um i did a 
I read an article last year, last year, um, where they were saying that um, you know, with the rise of the streaming platforms, that this is sort of the golden age of documentary making. Um, there's documentaries coming out all the time um, on various things, um, you know, and you can think. To my understanding, I think streaming platforms is a big deal to that because they're just monsters for content, um, more content, and this and that, you know, grows. Um, what's your What's your take on that? Do you do you, do you, do you think we are in a golden era of uh, documentary making? It's a good question. It's hard for me to say, to be honest. I think that um, I think that, that that the fact that there's a lot of something doesn't always mean that it's ah, a golden age. Ah, okay, right. good one, good one. Okay, for sure, uh, sure. Okay, okay, right. nice one, nice and one. I, and I. And I, I think there's a danger that that um, that sometimes when, and again, I, I I haven't really thought this through, so I, I I I'm not, I might not, I might be completely wrong about this, but um, but I think that when companies, when streaming platforms and so on, when they see that there's a market for something like a documentary or whatever, um, it can actually have a negative effect because they can see they want to kind of um, streamline everything and regiment everything to a large degree because because then they kind of start seeing, okay, there's a formula that works. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you have a situation where like streaming flat platforms are actually um, telling people which cameras they must use and, and kind of dictating things that should be like your creative choice as a filmmaker right because they want everything to like they want everything streamlined they want everything you know and and, and so this is a this is a, this is a this is a danger and i think that we're always um there's always been a situation because film even even though documentary documentaries cost less than obviously making feature films um, but it's still one of the most expensive art forms, you know, that, 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 that is out there. And so, um, there is just this tendency to create an industry out of it, like a conveyor belt sort of industry out of it that produces product, you know, and that's always been, that's always a struggle, you know, for anyone, whether it's in the Hollywood system or the current street streaming platform system that exists, there's always this you know, what do you do if you're, if you are independent, if you want to do things differently, um, you're basically told, no, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, so I think that that's always, that, 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 that problem never goes away. The problem of, of, you know, what do you do if you, if you want to do something that's not, if you, if you, if you want to, um, like the, the product that you want to produce is not, doesn't fit within those guidelines where do you fit and how do you do it and who's going to support you and how i mean i think now we're we're in this we're in this era as well when uh just content as opposed to like quality a film like content itself has value you know and so we we're put in this situation where we kind of think like okay if we're making a film that's not intended to be a commercial film then we have to figure out all this alternative ways of monetizing the content and and what to do with it in order for people to actually 
survive from doing this? Like, how do you make this sustainable? I've, I've seen that. I've seen that in, um, and I'll give you an example like of Netflix. A lot of the more recent movies are predictable. The scripts is poorly written. Um, it's um, they just put some five star or the high end actors open it, and the name of the actor will sell the show. What the show is actually, it's a poor film. Um, it's a poor that is predictable. And I definitely can relate that to the streaming platform. This is monster for content, for more content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see your point with regards to uh, documentary making. Just my last point on 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 documentary making, and I and I and I like your um, um, opinion on this. Um, I think it was actually last year or two years ago uh, with that R. Kelly uh, documentary, something R. Kelly. With his um, and and I, and I don't want to comment on on actual documentaries. It's, it's more on what it did. Um, they put. I I I watched it. I didn't think it was a very. It it also just looked like it was put together real quick. If I was just at the production and so forth, the technical things. Um, and they 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 had a serious agenda. They went after some dude and they got it right. Um, do you think that documentary makers? Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't want to say being weaponized, but do you think um, there is an element of that? Because like like you say they. Uh, it's becoming quite formulated and I've noticed that. Um, so in order to sell it or in order to, to sell a product, you just choose, let's go after this one. For example, now in South Africa, we have all this, this load sharing um, crisis. Um, I can totally see a bunch of documentaries being very sensationalist about all the shit around, all the politics. Yeah, what's your, what's your, what's your take on that? I think it's like anything. I think it's just, you know, people um, people think about different things, you know, and some people are just thinking about, you know, how do I, I mean, the, major, the majority of, of content that's made out there, the majority of doc- documentary films, whatever, um, and for that matter, feature films and TV shows. I mean, they're essentially um, they're essentially created to to please advertisers because yeah. they're, they're chasing advertising money. Yeah. Um, and so and so the people creating that content, they're not waking up every morning and they're not thinking, you know, what am I trying to say, and what is you know you know what impact is this going to have, and what you know, how people, how do we engage with, you know, communities and how do we use this thing that we're making in order to, you know, promote change or whatever. They're not thinking about those things, not because they're not intelligent or whatever, but simply because they're working for a client and they have to deliver a product. And so I don't blame them in as much as like, if I work for a client, like I do work for clients and obviously if someone is paying you money to do something then you have to deliver what what they want i mean that's just the nature of the thing um and i don't have a problem with that if i work for a client i mean obviously like i'm not going to work for a client if i think that you know they're, they're doing something completely immoral and you know i'm going to be embarrassed to be associated with them i mean you make that choice you know but but once you agree to work for a client and make something then they've got a vision and you've got to make that vision live and that's all there is to it um and their needs are the ones that are important here whether their needs are to keep the advertisers happy or whatever it happens to be which is fine i don't have a problem with this and i don't blame 
a lot of very talented people and everybody, you know, has to survive in the system. Like I don't blame people for that. But I think that we just need to create platforms and we need to create spaces for other things besides sure. that. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. And 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 you know, and the thing is like like when when you're making a film, the people just immediately ask you all these questions about you know the funding behind it like they don't ask you those questions if you're writing a book right <laughs> they don't ask you like like how many how many minutes is it like the first question is how many minutes is it going to be like who's funding it they don't ask if you're writing a book the first question isn't who's funding it and how many pages is it going to be it's going to be as many pages as it needs to be right like that's like, um, but we're but we're so conditioned. It's like a Stockholm syndrome, you know. We're so conditioned by the industry that we kind of assume that their demands are actually the way that things have to be. That's a that's a very 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 good point. Um, right. So so we, we we need to we we need to have alternative platforms for things that are just designed to be, you know, that are not that that haven't been dictated to by by the client and it's not a question of like oh you know i'm such a purist and i can't you know i have to you know it's, it's not even about that right <laughs> it's just about that that you know I, I really think that that the one of the jobs of artists in any medium is to set the agenda in terms of the conversation that's happening in the society not to follow the conversation but to actually to actually identify what the conversation should be and push it in a certain direction. I really believe that. I think that if you take that, if you take that, that role away from artists, you're basically stripping them of the main thing that they're meant to be doing. I agree I with you. Know, yeah. That makes sense. No, it makes, it makes, it makes, <laughs> it makes complete sense. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a real echo chamber because I was going to say everything you were saying. Um, like I agree with you there, one hundred percent. Eugene Ullman, this was a fantastic. Uh, this was a fantastic um, conversation. Positive anomaly, uh, guys. Look, out, look forward to that. We'll definitely. I think what we will do because um, we're trying to we're trying to switch things up here and make the platform a bit more interactive. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll try to not try. I think we'll we'll because we want to preview more uh, more shows. Um, we actually trying to cover more live music poetry shows and so forth. Um, book fairs, art fairs, etc. And um, we would we would definitely want to make more exercise. We'll definitely speak about this. I'll definitely share it on our pages as well. Um, it just makes me I I really miss your work. <laughs> I um I miss it. I miss it to death. Um and um. I'll be very interested to see your um your your uh your yeah how how you seeing it um um that's always that's always very interesting to to, to see to see a place that you're familiar with through the views of another creative. I think that's one of the beauties of art. I and me, I just love it to death. Um, to all the listeners, remember guys, like, subscribe, and comment to this channel. Um, see that will be with us in the next episode. Um, like I told you, Gene, we, we're trying to switch it up here and trying to do a little bit more. I mean, to everything. So look forward to that. Lots of more new content. Um, Eugene, just to just to like close close it fully fully. Um. As much as I'm a podcast and a visual artist, I'm also an entrepreneur and we're actually busy developing a platform, um, an app. Um, and the idea is for we, I was actually talking to my developers yesterday, uh, we're starting off with an e-store, uh, we'll just be selling art, 
um, but we i don't want to give too much away right now but um um we are um what i'm um, what, what i've been what i've been doing on this platform is talking to people like yourself and all these things you're saying is super interesting so we write it down and we try to and we try to conceptualize and put it in, in an actual working app and i've got a group of guys that's actually doing that for me as we speak um so it's also a work in progress so because the point that you made there that we need alternative platforms that's something we've we've recognized and we actually um working on it as we um as we speak um i think i i, I agree with you there 100 and also just to just another point on that it's access um we also want to make art more accessible to people and we want to do it through their phone uh, um through through their phones so they can access you know everything on on the phone you can have your full experience art experience on that so i'll definitely keep you up to speed with that because i'm going to be needing yeah we'll be sending out links just to see if this they have a app being tested out by various people and so forth um, and i'll keep you um up to speed with that for sure uh my brother this was this was fantastic just in closing um if anybody you gave out your uh twitter your Instagram handles um are those the only is there a website as well or something else another way that people can get hold of it man there's going to be a website that there's there's nothing it, it's it's in progress at the moment okay. so okay. at the right now we like positive anomaly film uh is the Instagram feed um positive anomaly film on YouTube um uh Twitter as well there's a positive yeah so basically there's that and there's me and i'm just my name eugene norman like i'm easy easy to find <laughs> my brother um yeah. let's see pretty much ran out of time um thanks for coming through um thank you very much great to speak with you and uh yeah look forward to the next time yes man i'll i'll be in touch with you via whatsapp or facebook if you guys can it sort of come out um till then take care my brother um and talk to you soon thank you uh, one love thanks for listening ciao